You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Pacers fans, happy Wednesday. You know what Wednesday means. It's official. It's here. The Pacers play a basketball game that matters tonight. If they win, it will count for their record. They will not. It will not be like the, the preseason games where the team account was tweeting, the Pacers lost this game, but their record is still 0-0. Zero and zero. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. And we're going to talk about all the action here on Locked On Pacers. As always, I'm one of the hosts of the show, Tony East, with the West Indianapolis Community News and over at 8.9 seconds. And the Pacers play the Grizzlies tonight, so I got a, a Grizzlies guy to, to help me out with them uh, because obviously he knows more about the team than me. I got Jonathan Rosenberg, who's on Twitter at Frosted underscore takes and writes for both the B-Ball Index and FrostedTakes.com. Jonathan, how are you doing, man? I'm well, Tony. How are you doing? I'm also good. I'm pumped for real basketball. I'm tired of preseason. I am right there with you. It will be nice to have everything actually count. And before we get to the game that counts, I want to say, did you watch uh, Utah Watanabe kill the Pacers in the preseason? Uh, I did not watch uh, Utah <laughs> Watanabe kill the Pacers in the preseason. Um, I didn't need to uh, kind of spoil my appetite for Wednesday night, so... It was brutally – it was a boring game. The only starter that played for either – well, I actually don't know that he's starting, but I'm pretty sure he is. Uh, the only starter that played for either team was Garrett Temple, uh, and he didn't even play that much. So it was it was pretty much a slog of the backups. But I'm excited to watch Memphis this year, and I think they're going to be much better than last year. The, the Pacers played them twice, only beat them by seven points total across both of those games. Uh, and now, you know, Conley is back, and they made a bunch of, a bunch of great offseason moves. Where do you feel like the team is at right now headed into this year? So I am actually probably more optimistic than most um, on their prospects for this season. If I were to bet, I would take the over. Honestly, I think that what they did in the offseason, kind of swapping out um, more like low IQ players like Jarrell Martin and Davis and uh, Ben McLemore, just bringing in competent guys that can execute more more properly, like uh, Caspi and Kyle Anderson. And Garrett Temple will be a huge swing. And then obviously with the return of Conley, and we haven't seen him healthy since uh, they played the Spurs in the playoffs, which would have been April 2016. So it's been a while since we've seen him really healthy. But, I mean, he averaged 25 points a game in that series. Um, Obviously, you know, he's a year and a half older, so it remains to be seen. But they did play the Rockets. Uh, Their last preseason game game was against the Rockets, and he... Was pretty good, so I'm pretty pretty bullish on on their prospects for this year. Me too. Uh, I'm actually one of the. I feel like I'm one of the higher people on them. I might end up putting them in the playoffs in my preseason rankings. Um, I love Conley mostly because he's an indie native, um, but also because he's a very good basketball player, and I like the quiet, composed kind of dudes. So I, I look forward to him being back on the basketball court. And yeah, like you said, they kind of retooled in a way that made a lot of sense. You know, Ben McLemore turns out is just not a good NBA player. Garrett Temple is. That's an easy swap. Uh, you know, Omri Caspi is actually a good bench wing, something they didn't have at all last year. Shelvin Mack is leaps and bounds better of a backup point guard than Andrew Harrison is. Like, I just feel like everywhere they made, like, not even sneaky. They, they seem like low-key sneaky moves because – they're like piddling low contracts, but at the same time, they're like very important moves that make the team actually good. So a big thing for me is um, if you upgrade from bad to even below average at a position, that's huge in the aggregate. 
And they did that like four or five times. Um, and in some cases, you could argue that the guy is better than below average, he's average or solid, competent, adequate, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use. So uh, I'm right there with you. And I actually wanted to put them in the playoffs in my preseason predictions. I couldn't do it because of how tough the West is. But I did go on record saying, and obviously this can never uh, end up getting proven, but I did go on record saying that if the Grizzlies were in the Eastern Conference, they would make the playoffs this year. Yeah, no, I I would go with that too, probably. I mean, the bottom of the East is all pretty tight, and I think they'll be just as good as a lot of those teams. Um, but we got to focus a bit more on this game because this is the Pacers podcast, although um, they do play this team twice. Last year, Conley never played at all, um, so I think he's my starting point. Uh, is he the kind of guy who's just going to go at a weaker matchup like Darren Collison, or is he just going to keep the offense kind of flowing and, and make sure the Grizz are doing their thing? So the thing about... Conley that I just really like, and this is borne out in uh, the B-ball index grading that we have, is that he really just can do what it is that you need him to do on offense with the um, two exceptions of like posting up, obviously, and uh, rolling to the basket. But in terms of his shooting, off-ball movement, one-on-one, and then playmaking as well, um, he grades out as an A or A- minus in all of those categories. So if it, it's kind of he he's smart enough to do to diagnose what he's looking at and then do the corresponding um smart decision so if he has a matchup where he can just take the guy he'll just take the guy but you know if he needs to keep the ball moving or or manipulate the defense to free up somebody else i mean his chemistry at this point with gasol and the pick and roll is just i mean you know, between how long it's been now, 10 years that they've been doing this together. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, they have, you know, telepathy or telekinesis between the two of them. So um, he can, uh, yeah, he can be whatever it is uh, that you need him to be. And uh, luckily for Memphis, that's the case because they really need him to be the driver of this offense because in terms of shot creation or playmaking or like one-on-one ability, um, he really is by far the most competent guy. Um, maybe even really the only guy, depending on how like Dylan Brooks progresses this year, but, uh, they really need him to be a primary scorer. Otherwise I'm not really sure where their offense could come from. Yeah. I think last year to, to kind of spring off my own opinions of your point, um, you, you saw that he was kind of the only guy who could create off the dribble a lot. Like, Gasol's stats looked like he had a down year, but I just think it was that he had a year playing without Conley and like he was playing completely differently and all the things he did were a lot harder because he didn't have his, you know, whoever you want to say is Batman and Robin, you know, he was missing the the other part of that, of that duo and it made it a lot harder for him to do the things he does well. Yeah. So I totally agree. The, the, the question that we're going to find out right about Gasol this year um, like you said, you know, if you look at his statistical profile, it looks like he had a down year. Um, but there was such a whirlwind surrounding that last year. So the most obvious right, thing right. Conley was basically out. He played 12 games. So let's just say he missed the year, right? Um, so number one, that's huge. And then the whole tanking, it just goes against the fabric of who Marc Gasol is to be on a team that's tanking, right? So there'd be games where Marcus Gasol didn't even step on the floor in the fourth quarter and knowing that that was happening, not that he didn't give his best effort when he was on the floor. Cause he wouldn't 
not do that, but there's a human aspect to this where I don't want to call him despondent, but you know, you, it was the first time since his rookie season where he was on a team that had absolutely no shot at the playoffs from a very earlier on point in the season. And, and last year ended a streak of seven straight playoff appearances. So, you know, the team's downtrodden, they're purposely losing games. So, and, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and say that he wasn't trying because he was certainly trying. I wouldn't accuse him of that. But there just is a, a human emotional element to it that we can't really capture as to, you know, him kind of just, you know, go, you know, having to put up with the fact that the team's losing on purpose. Yeah, I was talking to, to Tommy D. He, he's at Blake and Associates. Or I don't know if I was talking about it or I heard him say this, but he was talking about tanking once. And he said, uh, like, players can't tank. Like, they are literally playing – for money, like that, sixty of their replacements are coming in the league every year, if not more. Like they, they players can't just intentionally lose games. These guys are competitive, and you know, with Gasol, you saw that. Like the team, like the coaches are intentionally trying to surround him with non-cohesive talent, or like you know, worse players to lose games, and he's just frustrated because he's trying to win because players can't tank. It just doesn't work. Yeah, you know, I think that you actually uh, picked the word that I, I should have been searching for. They're frustrated. So, I mean, there were times last year when Memphis played three bigs, you know? And yep. one of them, I mean, they, they like you said, I completely agree with, uh, with, with what you guys are saying. Players can't tank. It's not in their DNA to purposefully lose. But the organization can obviously either make the roster poor or the coach can pull people. Like I said, Gasol never even played, you know, plenty of games because Saul didn't even step on the floor in the fourth quarter. So they could purposely do things lineup wise to lose the game, but the players themselves aren't. So the frustration, you know, he's obviously trying, but how that frustration manifests manifests itself into part of what we see when he, we look at his stats and say like, Oh, he had a down year. You know, we can't really factor that out with a, with any mathematical equation of how that frustration impacted his play. Right. So, um, and then how much of it was his age? How much of it is just him declining because he is you know, 33, he'll be 34 in like 100 days, I think. Um, so he's definitely, you know, a step slower at this point. But um, we can see with his brother, you know, just the skill level uh, keeps you around and keeps you functional and keeps you viable for quite some time. So and he knows what he's doing. Like I touched upon him and him and Conley have, the uh, chemistry that they have. So um, we'll see. So yeah, that's one of the things I'm excited to see is, is Gasol kind of hitting a, a decline, a, a steep drop off. Is he going to have a steep drop off or were there some compounding factors between Conley, the frustration, and then a little bit too his aging that, that uh, made his stats not look so great last year, but he can bounce back to a higher level this year. Yeah, it'll be a great first game. And I think the yin and yang of him and Miles Turner will be a fun matchup. I'm going to ask you about the Pacers now. In this game specifically, you can answer Victor Oladipo, but that's a boring answer. Um, in this game specifically, who do you feel like is the guy in the Pacers most likely to uh, control the game for them? To control the game for them? No, not control the game. That's boring. To the player most likely to uh, to swing the the odds of winning most in the Pacers' favor. That is a good one. So um, it might actually be Miles Turner. Um, I'll tell you why. So when I was looking at uh, the POE data that we have at uh, the B-Ball Index, yep. one of the – so obviously Indiana is very good on defense. But the one place that they kind of have a weakness is guarding cutting. And 
the Grizzlies now with their their Darth of Wings that aren't none of them are superstars, but they're all just like kind of all right or adequate and smart guys that know how to play basketball. Um, they're all good at off ball movement too. You know, a lot of these guys are grading out in the B A range in our grading system at off ball movement and then also at finishing. So I think that one area Memphis will look to attack. You know, like I was saying before, Conley's going to have to do a lot of the heavy lifting So on offense. So if it's not Conley, it's going to have to be like system buckets. And that'll be off-ball movement and cutting. And then between – I kind of just picked Turner as a token, but between Turner and Sabonis because they're actually both good rim protectors. Um, you know, if they are deterring those shots or rejecting – or just not even deterring them, you know, just making them so difficult that – Memphis can't hit them at a high enough rate, then that could really be the game within the game that kind of swings the outcome. I like that the the double big man post protection reference That's good. We got two guys in there. Um, and I, this is a, a, an observation for me from last year. Um, but they, they kind of actually did an okay job, Memphis did, of, of slowing down Oladipo um, because of their scheme, which is kind of weird because – they played against uh, one game against Bickerstaff and one game against Fisdale. So it's very odd that, that they had a s- almost similar scheme in both games. But uh, they, they, they really like to throw guys. Maybe this was just how they guarded Vic, but they had like an overloading the strong side kind of idea. And then weak side guys were able to get some buckets. I don't know if you remember that first game they played uh, last November, but Darren Collison ended up having 30 points. Uh, do you feel like they're going to run a similar defensive scheme? And could that open up uh, some weak side buckets for the Pacers in this one? So... You know, the the problem with projecting anything with the Grizzlies at this point is I don't think anyone really knows what Bickerstaff is going to do. So you could I if you go to three different websites, you will find three different depth charts for the <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies right now. And the Grizzlies started a different starting lineup on in all five of their preseason games. So I don't know in terms of lineup construction and and scheme, what it is that they're going to do. What I do think, though, is that um, Memphis can kind of recreate their grit and grind culture from the past because Gasol is still grading out well as an interior defender. And then they have a bunch of perimeter guys now between guards and wings that or I'm sorry, Gasol is still grading out well as an interior defender. And then they have wings and guards that grade out well on the perimeter. And I don't think that they're really going to be a team to switch. I could be wrong, but I feel like they'll play more conventional uh, pick and roll and with Gasol kind of dropping. So, and then if he's there to kind of clean up, you know, weak side backside cuts um because he's see because he you know has seen it all and i can see you know maybe the pacers try to go with that um approach and one of the reasons why i really liked the signing of tyreek evans for the pacers because they didn't really have like a like outside of old depot they didn't have a you know like a shot creator but they also didn't really have a lot of guys to for him to find um, coming off cuts and screens and everything. So maybe something that they look to do earlier on in the season, obviously the first game of the season, to see uh, you know what they have going in that aspect. But 
Um, I don't, I don't know how successful it's really going to end up being. Yeah. It'll be fascinating if they don't switch, uh, or if they do, you know, if they do switch, Vic's going to go at whoever's on him. If they don't switch, I imagine they'll throw temple at him and, and, uh, temple can do his best to try to figure out how to stop that. It's going to be fascinating to see how that goes. Uh, what matchup are you most looking forward to in this game? And that is my final question for you about this one. What matchup am I most looking forward to? Um, I am really interested to see um, if if Miles Turner is dragging Marcus All out onto the perimeter and they're playing high pick and roll with him, or he's just pulled away from the basket and you know he's kind of ingrained to you know hedge back down towards the lane towards the basket, and then he has to close out if Turner uh, takes a three really quickly. Um, and the reason I say that is because we're really going to see where Gasol's athleticism is. You know, we just talked about how much of his decline last year was aging and how much of it was the surrounding factor. So if Turner's pulling him out and he has to be out on the perimeter, maybe switching on to old Debo, switching on to Evans or having to close out, um, if he's kind of hedging back and towards the paint, then we're going to get a good idea pretty quickly as to what his foot speed is right now. Yeah, I'm excited to watch that one too. I talked about on our on our own show's week preview, and I talked about the Grizzlies game, the Turner Gasol matchup, and how they're kind of yin and yang, and that um, in that in that Gasol's offensive strengths really cater to to slowing down Turner's defensive strengths, and on the same way, Turner's offensive strengths really pull uh, Gasol away from the rim, which is defensive weakness. So they they really are going at each other's weaknesses on the other end of the floor. I'm really excited to watch that duo as well. I think it'd be great. Um, and just in general with Memphis, for me, I think it's going to be fun to see all the newcomers and uh, Kyle Anderson, especially. I love slow mo. Uh, I think him and Boyan's going to be fun because neither of them have a lick of lateral quickness. So watching them try to get around each other might be the funniest thing to watch in this. <laughs> hey, uh, he, uh, he does well on on Durant for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, Kyle Anderson is a mystery, and I like when Zach the way Zach Lowe talks about him, where it's like it's so slow that NBA players like literally run past him and then he scores. <laughs> Um, but this will be a fun one, I think. Uh, the Grizzlies are actually fun, which is rare for them because they had the same kind of slow, grindy-to-death team for five years. They finally have a roster, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be fun. Uh, it may not be aesthetically fun, but they have intriguing <laughs> players. Do uh, have I still think uh, they, were, they were 28th in pace last year. I expect them to be somewhere around that this year. Um, they're not going to run. They're definitely going to want to play half court. Um, how many threes are they really going to put up? I, actually, I take that back. They kind of do now have a, a fair amount of solid, decent to solid shooters. So they may they may look to increase how many threes they take this year, but still, they're not going to be. No one, no one's mistaking them for the Rockets anytime soon. <laughs> but they, but they just missed on on all of their draft picks for ever. You know, so you, the whole time that Gasol and Conley have been doing this and and you know, when Zach Randolph and Tony Allen were there they just kept trying to you know create the the next generation behind them and they just kept picking the wrong guy and kept failing at it again and again and again and now they have guys like Dylan Brooks and Marshawn Brooks just shows up from China last season starts like dropping buckets everywhere and Wayne Selden and they bring in people and um you know Conley's back so they have people that um like I said, in in total, when you watch them, it may not be overly exciting, but they just have individuals now where you're really intrigued by how this is going to play out. Me too, and I think this game, 
you know, the opening night games are kind of usually faster and jittery, but these two teams are so slow that I feel like it's going to be the, one of the least aesthetically pleasing games we see for these two teams this year. It'll be a fun opening night one. Um, I ultimately am going to close and say I think the Pacers win their first game of the year, though, just because of, I mean, even if oh, the retooled Memphis team, they have a lot of kinks to iron out. I don't think Bickerstaff's the greatest head coach personally. Um, and maybe Memphis clicks and like they're really good again. And I, I think they're going to be good, but it's, it's their first game as a, as a full roster. They're playing against an Indiana team that uh, is one of the highest continuity teams. I think Indiana's going to win this one by, by like 10 points. Uh, I'm right there with you. 10 point. Uh, yeah, I could, I could see 10 points. I definitely think the Pacers are going to win. I uh, think Indiana's kind of in their own tier in the Eastern Conference where Toronto and Boston are a tier and then Philly. And then I think Indiana is actually just their own tier. I don't think those teams after them, Miami, Milwaukee, Washington are as good as they are. Um, You just became very popular amongst our listeners. (laughs) I just, I don't see it with those other teams. Um, I don't want to get into a tangent here, but I just never trust the wizards to not self implode. (laughs) Um, I, you know, let me know if the heat get Jimmy Butler and yes, Giannis is just you know they all right we'll just put a bunch of shooting around Giannis and that's probably the best thing that you can do but I just it has my reservations as to what it is that they really did besides signing Brooke Lopez that all of a sudden they're going to be you know a home court in the first round team um and and the I mean you know like I said the biggest weakness that the Pacers had last year they addressed with with Tyreek Evans so I think uh they're looking at 48 50 wins again this year and and i completely agree with what you said um in the the difference between roster continuity the pacers you know other than bringing in evans they're basically the same squad that matters on opening night and the grizzlies have had a crazy amount of turnover since last season and that matters on opening night i agree with you on bickerstaff um he ended up in the 11th percentile uh, yep. in our coaching optimization Ooh. on defense, on defense. I, I oh. want to say he was 78th on offense, but on okay, defense, okay. he was in the 11th percentile. So, yeah, I mean, he is probably fine. Um, no, I don't think he's the greatest coach in the world. Um, and and it's, it's in Indiana. So, yeah, I definitely think uh, the Pacers will win. It probably won't be too close unless Memphis the only way it could be close is if Memphis really really slows it down I mean like his like old school levels of pace the Pacers don't really want to get on a run anyway but between the Grizzlies defense and defensive rebounding they really could just force Indiana into bad or not bad shots but put up good contests and then clean up the boards and then just kind of like grind it out. But I think between um, Old Depot and and Evans and Turner uh, Bogdanovich and Sabonis, there's just too much firepower, which may not be an adjective people use to describe the Pacers very often, but there might just be too much firepower in comparison to Memphis. Yeah, I, I appreciate all that. <laughs> the, uh, the firepower reference. I don't know if it's the right word either, but you know what? We'll see in this one. And it should be fun. Last year, Indiana dropped 140 in their season opener. So uh, I'm that skip- was a crazy game. That was the Nets game, right? Yeah, Jeremy Lin's last Nets game. Good stuff. Yeah, Jeremy Lin's last Nets game. Uh, so so uh, we'll follow you and all your work. Um, so you can follow me at the B Ball Index. It launched on Monday. Um, 
and obviously people can follow you there too. I hope that everybody follows everybody. I really believe in this project. And then people can follow me on Twitter at frosted underscore takes, uh, username Jonathan Rosenberg, and then the website frostedtakes.com. And before we go, I just want to ask you real quick, who are you most interested on the Pacers to see the play out this year? Oh, I love it. Uh, well, cause I love roster intricacies. Edmund Sumner is my small answer. He was awesome in the preseason. If you watch that Pacers Grizzlies game, you would have seen him for a little bit before he got hurt at the end of the first half. Um, but on a more grand scheme, I'm going to go with Victor Oladipo, obviously. Okay. Uh, I've seen him just, you've just seen a million dudes this summer say like, I saw Vic this summer and he's going to take it to another level. And then when he was playing in the preseason, he was dropping like 36 per 36 minutes. And it's like, okay, maybe he does have another level somehow. So uh, it's going to be fascinating to see if, if that new level comes because of a changed role or comes because he's actually just incredible now. So it's, it's going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm high on the Pacers as well. Uh, I actually wrote a couple things about them over the summer. They, I just have some obsession about them. I was hoping they were going to sign uh, Randall, Julius Randall too. Um, but they still got Evans and their books are clean. You know, they can still come up with a bunch of money next summer too. So I think that uh, the, the arrow is definitely pointing up in Indiana right now. I agree. It's going to be a fun half decade coming up. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, me and Ad will be on tomorrow to recap this game that we just talked about uh, and talk more about Miles' extension. I know we only got a few minutes in. Uh, on it so far this week but stay tuned for all that and more game previews on friday and thank you guys for listening have a great